Two of the best-known advice columnists were twin sisters who went in their columns under the name of Dear Abby and Ann Landers. They were born in 1918, and one died in 2002, one died in 2013. But you can still see their columns. You can go online and find out some what they've uh, read. And also, some newspapers still publish the classic uh, Ann Landers and Dear Abby. One reader wrote to Ann Landers several years ago a problem that she had with her husband. It went this way. Dear Ann Landers, my husband doesn't talk to me. He just sits there night after night reading the newspaper or looking at TV. When I ask him a question, he grants, huh, or uh-huh. Sometimes he doesn't even grant, uh-huh. All he really needs is a housekeeper and somebody to sleep with him when he feels like it. He can buy both. There are times when I wonder why he got married. So, speaking of married, I have some questions. Now, I don't want you to say the answers out loud. I guess you could, but probably not. So, and this can be answered, uh, even we're talking about the Christian wife today, but it's uh, not just exclusively for women and married people. So, my husbands and wives and others who are in here, okay, here you go. Well, yeah, it had to be a husband or wife on this one. Do you have a good marriage? Rate your marriage from one to ten. One is in the toilet, ten is great. Okay? Rate your marriage, one to ten. What's yours? If single, if single, would you someday like to have a great marriage? Sadly, some that are married are going, I would like to have a great marriage. What are characteristics of a great marriage? Now, this is audience participation, so you can yell out a characteristic of a great marriage. Communication. Patience. Silence. Okay, moving on. As years go by, fewer people are getting married and more people are living together without being married. From a Gallup poll taken just last December, because of the poll, this is a statement that was made. Solid majorities of Americans, and this is 60 plus percent, Solid majorities of Americans now view sex between an unmarried man and woman, same-sex relations, and having a baby outside of marriage as being morally acceptable. 
If you want a great marriage, you are clearly swimming against the tide of our society. Do you want a great marriage? God gave us married marriage for the shared joy of the husband and the wife. When God created woman, he said she was to be Adam's helper, not his domestic slave. Genesis 2.18 The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Genesis 1.28 God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, who were these commands addressed to? They were addressed to both Adam and Eve. So, three things. Now, there may be more, and you can come up with them on your own, but in a no particular order, as they say on TV shows, God's purpose for marriage, one of the purposes is children, Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and increase in number. A second purpose for God, God had for marriage is companionship, Genesis 2.18. It is not good for the man to be alone. And a third purpose God had for marriage was sexual fulfillment, 1 Corinthians 7.4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Meaning, get your jollies at home, not elsewhere. Okay, so God's purpose for marriage is threefold. Children, companionship, and sexual fulfillment. Okay, let's go back to the Garden of Eden and note our enemy's first act. Note Satan's first act. When things were perfect, what was the thing he tried to attack and tear down? He tempted Eve to eat the fruit. Eve tempted her husband, Adam. God showed up. Adam blamed Eve. And what was there? Disruption was there. Satan first attempted, and in the place where things were perfect, he attempted to destroy the family unit. So if you damage or destroy the family unit, the family structure, how well does society fare at that point? How are we doing in this country. Today, we are going to look at the wife's responsibilities in a Christian marriage. The next time I speak, we will be looking at the husband's responsibility in a Christian marriage. Will these two messages about the husband and the wife, will they answer all your questions about marriage and having a great marriage? They will not. In fact, these messages may bring up more questions 
In fact, these messages may make you go, I'm a bit unsettled here by what I hear, and I don't really know how to approach this and what I need to do. So, sorry, my bad, deal with it, okay? Now, it's not my intent to get you to do what I want. Rather, I want each of us to before God find out what he wants us to do and to do what God himself wants us to do. So here's a question. Are you willing to do as God leads you to do even if you don't like it? We'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. There are a couple of scriptures that just stand alone, but uh, there are some sections that we're going to, and I'll give you a bit of time. Ephesians 5, 22. Here we go. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. What did Jesus believe about submission? A number of times Jesus attempted to explain and persuade his disciples that they needed to not use any kind of authority, not to push their authority. Even at the Last Supper, the last Passover meal Jesus shared with his disciples, on Thursday night before he was killed, the next day on Friday, even then the disciples were arguing, even then, about who was the greatest and so what Jesus did, John 13, if you want to look it up later, what Jesus did was that he got up from the table, he put a towel around his waist, and he, the one who had the most authority of all, went around and washed the feet of each of the 12 disciples, showing them that the one who has the most authority, the way they need to do things is to serve other people and build up other people. The Apostle Paul states that principle this way in Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It is natural to want to promote ourselves is it not? It is the Holy Spirit who enables us to submit ourselves. In Ephesians 5.22, submit is a military term which has indication that the person voluntarily chooses to submit to another authority. This term submit is also used in Romans 13, which talks about Christians submitting to the government. Same principle, same word. 
And the implication in this word submit, when I voluntarily choose to surrender or to be underneath the authority of someone else, the implication is that there is a benefit for me, the one who is submitting. So wives choose to submit for themselves. The husband does not choose for the wife to submit. He has no right to force the issue at all. Submission takes trust. It takes trust in your spouse and trust in God. So someone may say, what if I really can't trust my husband? There have been too many times, too many instances, too far. What if I really can't trust my husband? I will remind you that I do not have all the answers. But what I really think the question is, rather than that question, this is what I really think the question is, and I'll repeat it. Am I willing to place my situation before Holy Scripture and see as best I can what God's will is and what his word says. And then when I know or suspect his will, am I willing to follow his plan whether I like it or not? Let me repeat that. Am I willing to place my situation before Holy Scripture and before God and see as best I can what God's word says? And then when I know or suspect his will, am I willing to follow his plan whether I like it? His plan, whether I like it or not. The Apostle Paul, well, some people have said that he is disrespecting women when he wrote about wives submitting if it's disrespectful in submitting, then, then what do these scriptures mean? So if you're in Ephesians, turn to your left and go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll begin in verse 3, skip through some verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Now what the Apostle Paul has done here is he has taken us back to creation when Adam and Eve were created as the reason for the role of the wife. Therefore, biblical Submission is not merely a cultural thing, as some might suggest. God takes us back to creation. At creation, he designed the role for the wife. 
Now, if you don't like God's logic on this, then you can take it up with him. But it is really difficult to escape the biblical understanding that wives are to submit to their husbands. Now, as the wife submits to her husband, does that make her a second-class citizen or a doormat? No. She and man are equal in God's eyes. This submission arrangement merely reflects the order that God has set up for the family. So this order distinguishes function, not worth or value. Back to Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Three observations on what can possibly motivate a wife to submit to her husband. Observation number one, does God say so? Yes. Observation number two, should a wife submit to the husband as if she were submitting to the Lord? Yes. Does God say there are exceptions to this submitting for certain wives? No. He doesn't give any exceptions. Okay, turn further to your right and go to Titus. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus. Okay, Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Apostle Paul is speaking to his friend Titus who is working somewhere in a church. You, Titus, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they, the older women, can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. So what happens if wives do not submit to their husbands? God's word is dishonored. Now, do I honestly think the other things mentioned in here that if those things are not done properly that God's word is dishonored? Yes. But it says this about wives being subject to their husbands so that God's word will not be dishonored. So a wife says, I don't really mean to dishonor God, but, but you don't, you don't, Robin, you don't know my situation. I do, I do not. I, I have no idea about your situation. Do you think God knows your situation? What does he say? Are you willing 
Are you willing to follow God's lead? Not mine. Are you willing to follow God's lead on anything but on this? 1 Peter chapter 2. Turn to your right, further still. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. There are several verses here. This is an extended section of Scripture. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. To this you believers were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Okay, so let's notice what Jesus did as an example for us to follow. This is what he did. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives in the same way. In the same way as what? in the same way as Jesus reacted. What did we just read about how he reacted? No retaliation, no threats, trusting God, and living for others. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So, what does the scripture say? Can a wife who chooses to submit win over an unbelieving husband? Yes, it's very clear that this is the case. The ultimate model, what we see here, of submission is Jesus himself. He demonstrated the supreme act of submission by giving his own sinless life to rescue those of us who are sinful. 
That's what Jesus did for us. So consider this about Jesus and how he behaved when he was on earth. When he was on earth, he did not take over the Jewish priesthood. He was infinitely far more qualified than they to do the sacrifices that the priest did. But did he take over? He did not. He did not barge in and take over their responsibilities. He did not resist arrest, though he had done nothing wrong. He did not lash out when he justifiably could do that. So if a husband isn't cutting it in some areas, is it okay for the wife to rush in and take control? How did Jesus behave? Robin, 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 you don't know my situation. Uh, true, I do not know your situation. But do you think that God does? And if he knows your situation, are you willing to do what God leads you? Not me. What God leads you to do, regardless of your personal preferences. Though this message has been tailored for wives, there are principles that each of us can pick up, particularly the attitude of Jesus submitting his life. So I'm going to summarize, and I'd like us to be practical. There are eight things that are going to appear on the screen. It's not going to build. It's not going to accumulate. They're just going to be up there. Now, if you want to know anything about this, you want to know any of the scriptures, then if you email me at the email address you see at the end, then I will send you information, okay? But whatever God would speak to your heart or whatever he impresses upon you as we go through these eight things, then here we go. Number one, wives are to submit to their husbands voluntarily. The husband must not force the issue. Okay? Yes, no, whatever. The husband is not to take advantage of the wife. She is not his doormat. Submission does not make one person better than the other. It merely shows God's preferred order for the home. Jesus submitted himself to God. Is Jesus inferior? Are there biblical exceptions for wives to not submit to their husbands? I don't know of any. Maybe you can find them. I don't know. But, please note, the wife is not obligated to follow her husband into sin. A non-believing husband cannot expect his believing wife to not go to church, to pray, to read her Bible, and behave as God leads her. And a wife's responsibility is so much easier when we husbands fulfill our biblical responsibilities. Are you willing 
Are you willing to do what God communicates to you, to your heart? Are you willing to commit that to him and do what he says, whether you like it or not? Would you bow your head, please? What does God want you to do? Maybe we should just do this. What does he want you to do? Come on, let's be practical. Tell him. God, I, I picked up on this. If you think it's hard, if you think you want to, but it's going to be impossible, then tell him that. And ask him to help you to do what he is leading you to do. If you're in this room, and when church is over, you would like someone to pray with you, or you would like to discuss something, then when most of the rest of us are leaving, if you have a question or you want someone to pray with you, then you just stay seated where you are, and a trained decision guide will meet you at your seat. They'll come where you are, not embarrass you, and you and they can speak privately. Father in heaven, thank you for the order that you have put in our homes. Thank you that you want each of us to be holy in your sight. Father, may we do what we know. May we do the hard work of what you call us to do and what you lead us to do. May we make those difficult choices regardless of whether we like it or not because really we know that you know what is best for us. And may each of us surrender our own will, our own choices to your will and to your choosing for each one of us. May we be holy like you. May we obey you. May we do what you say. For we know that you know what is best. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.